Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hey, thanks for joining us here on The Inner Life on this I guess it's a Thursday, isn't it? Feels like this week has just gone right by. So it's uh, a Thursday, tomorrow's Friday, but week's not over yet. And I'm Josh Raymond, so glad to have you joining us here on our program about spiritual direction on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Now, have you ever found buried treasure? Ever, ever come across it? Maybe it wasn't technically buried. Uh, maybe you found something at a thrift store or a garage sale, a yard sale, something like that. Something that others missed or passed by, but you saw the value of it. It became that little treasure for you. When I was young, uh, maybe 10 or 11 years old, I started reading through that book, Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson, and I loved it right away. Just fell in love with it. Ended up watching a couple of the movie adaptations. There was the Disney one. There was another one that I remember watching, an old black and white one. And Jim Hawkins, he comes into that possession of a map where X marks the spot. Then he goes on this adventure to find the buried treasure along with Squire Trelawney and Dr. Livesey. And of course, there's Long John Silver, that character, that leader of those pirates who want the treasure for themselves. But As much as I enjoyed that story, I never did find any sort of remarkable buried treasure when I was a child. But I did come across buried treasure, literally buried. Uh, It it was a treasure to me, at least, uh, when I was in my mid-20s. My wife, Baylen, she and I, we'd purchased our very first little house, little starter home, and this was back in 2001. And Baylen was pregnant with our second child at this point. And we got moved into the house a little before Labor Day, so right around fall time. And we made it through the fall and the winter months without doing much yard work, you know, mowed the lawn a couple of times, but that was it. And our efforts focused primarily inside the house, getting everything unpacked, organized over the next weeks and months. But when spring came, then we got outside and we started working in the yard. And that backyard of that house, it was fenced in by this nice, tall, six-foot wooden fence. Lots of privacy. And the prior owner had grown lots of different plants back there in the yard. And many of those at this point now were overgrown, both because the house had been on the market and it had been growing during that time without anybody taking much care of it. And then it grew more over the fall and early spring then. So we started cutting back all these different plants out there and pruning everything. We worked our way around the yard going clockwise, starting on the left side of the backyard and just cutting and pruning everything along that fence. And when we finally got to the back right corner of the yard, 
That corner, it looked the worst. It had the most overgrown uh, plants and everything. There was this tree that was there in the corner, and it just hung down. All the branches and uh, thick leaves hung down and met with the different plants and bushes and different weeds that had grown up among them coming up from the ground. So it was all just kind of, it looked connected. And as we started pulling up the different weeds, cutting back the bushes and plants there on the ground. As we went, I saw that there was this little piece of cement or concrete, something there, just a small edge that was barely visible under the dirt. And I thought it was some small piece that had just been covered over, you know, a little broken off piece of cement or something. So I started to dig it out so I could pull it out. I wouldn't run over it with a lawnmower. It wouldn't be kicked out later. And I couldn't, get it out because the more I dug, the bigger the piece was. And so I finally called Baylen over and I said, take a look at this. And at that point, we both looked down at what I dug up so far. It was a long curved edge of cement running at this point more than a foot across. And at least that's what was visible so far. So we both were curious and starting to get a little excited. What is this? What is this structure that's here? And so we started digging out more and more, kind of following around the edges of this cement structure. And it did turn out to be a structure because over the course of the next several minutes, we gradually unearthed what turned out to be this small kidney-shaped pond in the corner of our backyard. It had been filled in, covered in by at least one of the previous owners. And then back behind that pond where the branches of the tree and the the bushes and shrubs and other plants, it hid that there was this small mound of lava rocks that had all been kind of built up together and cemented together to provide this little path for a fountain of water to run down into the pond. And back behind those lava rocks, there was this little uh, uh, electrical outlet, a raised metal post with an electrical outlet behind there, And then down under the lava rocks, there was this place where you could set up a water pump to recycle that water back to to run over those rocks down into the pond again. We'd lived there for, at this point, I don't know, six, seven, eight months. And we'd only just discovered that we owned a pond in our backyard. We'd found that literal buried treasure there. And we got everything cleaned up around the pond. We purchased the necessary pump and the tubing to get it working. And it ended up adding that value and that beauty to our backyard. You know, most of the time when we stumble across that treasure, it won't be that literal buried treasure. But there's plenty of figuratively buried treasure all around us. And one of the richest places where we can find treasure, especially in our spiritual lives, it's in the Bible. If you start mining the depths of Scripture, you'll never exhaust the wealth of what can be found in the pages of your Bible. And today, on the Feast of St. Jerome, one of the greatest Scripture scholars of all time, we want to talk about how we can grow in our love and our knowledge of the Bible. And helping us do that today here on The Inner Life, our spiritual director for the hours, Father Rob Kroll. Father Rob is a Jesuit priest and the director of spiritual formation at St. Francis de Sales Seminary in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Father Rob, welcome back to The Inner Life. So glad to have you here with us today. Thank you, Josh. Great to be with you and our listeners today. Well, and so we want to dive into the treasure that we have here in Scripture. And again, as I mentioned, it's the Feast of St. Jerome, the Memorial of St. Jerome, I guess would be more Mm -hmm. more appropriate. Um, And 
he he has that connection with Scripture. Um, can you tell us a little about his life and why he is so important to the Scriptures that we read every day today? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, so St. Jerome is uh, one of the early Church Fathers. Uh, as we celebrate that memorial that you talked about, um, we call him priest, because he was ordained a priest, but he is also one of our doctors of the Church, so one of our um, saints that we consider to be a great scholar and who has contributed much to the intellectual life of the Church. And uh, he's an early figure, so he was basically, uh, well, 4th, early 5th century. So he was born around 342 and dies um, in the year um, 420, right around there. So he lived about 80 years. 80 years. And, um, you know, as a, a young person, he was actually uh, apparently uh, not, not the most moral of, of youth. He had a rather immoral life, but, uh, but he was very bright and very, uh, Starting at the age of 12, he started studying grammar and rhetoric and philosophy and these various uh, disciplines. He was trained kind of in the classics um, and then uh, had a, you know, kind of, he kind of rejected his Christian upbringing, as I mentioned, as a youth and lived kind of a dissolute life. But then um, he eventually uh, had kind of a conversion experience and uh, became a Christian and was baptized uh, actually by the Pope at the time, Pope Liberius, around the year uh, 366. And then he decided to live a number of years in the desert as a hermit. Uh, so he uh, it was quite ascetical in his practices and penances, kind of making up maybe for, for his youth. And eventually uh, he became secretary to another pope, Pope Damasus. And uh, after that pope died, uh, Jerome left Rome, and uh, he actually went to the Holy Land and basically spent the rest of his life um, in Jerusalem. And uh, during that time, he uh, translated the Bible. Um, uh, we know him as the uh, translation, translator of the Vulgate translation. Now, Vulgate is related to the word vulgar, which means common. Uh, Latin was the common of, or the language of the common people at the time. So he kind of translated the Bible into Latin, and uh, and then he produced many commentaries on different books of the Bible. And so he's considered just an expert. Exegete is kind of the technical term, so a, 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 a person, a scholar of the of the scriptures. So he produces many commentaries, and we're very grateful that those have uh, made their way down to us today. And um, yeah, he's the patron saint of biblical scholars and translators and librarians, given his background, that kind of makes sense. One of the most famous sayings attributed to him, and we find it in the Office of Reading Selection, if anyone listening prays, um, praise the divine office, but uh, he said that ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. What I find interesting about that statement is he doesn't say ignorant of the gospel, ignorance of the gospels, or ignorance of the New Testament. He says ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. And uh, so his main point is that all of the Bible somehow speaks to us of Christ. You know, even the Old Testament, which would predate uh, the coming of, of Christ, uh, it nonetheless um, proclaims him, you know, it anticipates his coming. And we know that from, you know, uh, the way we use the scriptures in our prayer and in, in our liturgical celebrations, that there's, there's prophecies about Christ. And we often see uh, within the Old Testament hints and echoes of, of Jesus Christ. So, um, Anyway, so he's a great figure, and, and even though he lived so long ago, uh, he has a lot you know, to teach us today about just 
being in love with the scriptures and treasuring them. Uh, you know, we use them at, at Mass, of course, and all of our liturgical celebrations, all of our sacraments. But I know today we want to encourage people to also pray privately with the Bible, and, and eventually we'll talk a little bit about how right. uh, people might do that. Yeah, you know, one of the other things in reading about the life of St. Jerome that I found just fun and kind of, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it humanizes him. A lot of times if we talk about the saints, especially those who live at the time he lived, you know, 4th, 5th century, mm-hmm. you don't have maybe as much that you know about them if they have not written down, you know, I mean, a contemporary of his, St. Augustine, he he wrote prolifically, so we have so much. And St. Jerome, obviously, we have a lot of letters, but uh, one of the things I thought was fantastic, he apparently must have been just a somebody who loved to argue and (laughs) he would just argue. It sounds like with anybody, if he disagreed (laughs) with them. Right. Yeah. No, apparently he had a pretty bad temper actually. And, uh, he could use his, uh, vitriolic pen to kind of tear people to shreds. Um, which, you know, again, you want to be charitable. So maybe, and he, he recognized even in, in himself that he was swift to anger and he would, you know, sometimes feel remorse for that and, and he'd be very severe on himself. Right. But I, I think the good thing about him is that he was so in love with God and with the truth that he couldn't tolerate, you know, error, basically. And of course, at that time in the church, there was still a lot that people were debating, trying to figure out. There were a lot of enemies, as I guess there always have been. But well, I guess what we can take away from him there is not to blow up at people and have our anger get out of control, but to say, you know, there are things worth standing up for and being convicted about, and and we want to point out when people um, are enemies of God or enemies of the truth, we want to be able to refute them, you know, in a yeah. good way. Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely. <laughs> and I also read, and I forget who said this, but somebody made some comment about him where, you know, sometimes you'll see him pictured with a Bible or with, you know, some some book, or uh, you might see a lion that's b- beside mm-hmm. him. You know, there's kind of a legend of him uh, pulling a thorn out of a lion's paw, right, things like right. that. But there's also an image of him taking a stone and striking his breast, knowing yeah. that he has let his anger get the best of him. And that one, whoever said it, I wish I could give correct attribution, but they basically said that might be the most accurate representation of St. Jerome, that he knew he had that bad temper, and he worked at trying to curb it. But at the same time, like you say, you know, and especially in our current society, Father, Truth is one of those things that people think is so relative. And, you right. know, uh, Pope Emeritus Benedict Sixteenth, he, he famously spoke about that dictatorship of relativism. But right. if there's truth, then we want to find the truth, and we know that there is absolute truth out there. So, it, right. like you say, it's important. We do want to stand up for that. Yeah, no, completely. And I, and I think, like you said, we live in a time and a culture where truth has become much more relative, and most people don't really believe that there is objective truth, you know, that's built into kind of the structure of the human person or of the world. And so, yeah, it's going to be, I think, increasingly difficult to hold on to some of our basic truths um, because a lot of people are not going to accept them. But anyway, just to go back to that image, you know, I I, I don't know where this, I don't know which pope said it, but apparently there was a pope who, uh, seeing an image of St. Jerome with that stone and and beating his bare breast, he said something like, you do well to carry that stone, for without it, the church would never have canonized you. You know, so kind of recognizing that, uh, 
you know, it was partly because of his ability to be remorseful for his shortcomings and to kind of um, discipline himself that, uh, that 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 contributed to his canonization. So, hmm. anyway. That's beautiful. Uh, our spiritual director, Father Rob Kroll, and our phone lines, I'm going to open them right now for your calls at 888-914-9149 today on the Memorial of St. Jerome. We want to talk about falling in love with Scripture and what has helped you to spend more time reading the Bible. What has sparked that love of Scripture in your own life? And how has reading the Bible, going back to that quote that Father Rob mentioned from St. Jerome, how has it helped you to know and love Jesus even more? That ignorance of the scriptures, it's ignorance of Christ. How has knowing the scriptures helped you to know Christ? Again, our studio line, 888-914-9149. And Father, uh, let's talk about how we understand scripture, what it is and maybe what it isn't. And a lot of times, if you listen to some of the other programs here on Relevant Radio, if somebody calls into a show like the one that airs right before this, the Patrick Madrid show, uh, Patrick does a lot of answering of faith questions, a lot of apologetics. And if a person calls in with a question about what the church teaches, if they've been talking with a non-Catholic Christian, they usually get stumped by something their friend has quoted out of the Bible. And there's this deep Protestant kind of thinking that runs, especially, I think, in our American culture, just with our founding uh, by so many Protestant groups that came out here, um, that everything that a Christian believes, it's, it's kind of got this mindset. You should be able to point to a chapter and verse in the Bible to show that, well, this really is part of Christian theology, but that's problematic on a few fronts. Can you can you talk about why we don't necessarily need to find everything explicitly spelled out for us in Scripture? Sure. Yeah, that's an important question. And, you know, I would begin by saying that, you know, I, I we probably all have uh, devout Protestant friends, and I think, you know, one of the things we can admire about them and learn from them as Catholics is, you know, how much they do treasure the Bible and know the Bible very well. And uh, maybe there's some truth to the fact that we as Catholics, um, you know, at least historically, maybe we have, you know, our Bibles kind of sit on our on our uh, end tables and collect dust, and maybe we don't crack them open as much as we should. And often you see Protestants bringing their Bibles to church, and a lot of the, the, the sermon is about, you know, a particular passage of Scripture that's being broken open. So, anyway, just to say that we can learn from that in terms yeah. of a real devotion to the Bible. But we're not, we're not Christians that take a sola scriptura approach. In other words, we don't believe that uh, the only thing that you need is your Bible. You know, we treasure, obviously, we could say the Catholic Church uh, produced the Bible. It was only the Catholic Church for, you know, the first, uh, well, thousand years, and yeah. then before the Protestant Reformation, 1,500 years. So so it's it's really due to the Catholic Church that the Bible uh, was written, that it was edited, put into, into you know, its form, and interpreted, too. And so we believe as Catholics that, first of all, there are some truths that have come down to us that, while they never contradict what's found in sacred scripture, they may you know, be very uh, cursorily kind of referenced in the scriptures or, you know, maybe not even mentioned explicitly at all. So we do believe that there's kind of these two streams of divine revelation, uh, the sacred scriptures, 
the Word of God revealed there, but then also sacred tradition, uh, truths that have been handed on to us from our Lord and down through the apostles and the uh, church fathers and so forth. So, um, And then we also talk as Catholics about the the sacred magisterium or the official teaching office of the church, because the reality is, and we, we see this just in our own experience, you could have any number of scripture passages that are wildly interpreted in wildly different ways by different Christians. You know, I mean, a good famous example would be the uh, Bread of Life discourse in John 6, where, you know, for us as Catholics, that's one of the primary texts that supports our belief in the Eucharist. You know, the Protestants uh, don't see it that way. And so you need some authority because the Bible itself doesn't tell us how to interpret it. Um, you know, you need some uh, guided, uh, divinely guided authority who can, uh, you know, interpret the scriptures properly and apply them. And so we would say that along with scripture itself and with tradition comes this magisterium, this uh, official office, teaching office in the church. So the Pope and the bishops have that responsibility. So you might think about sort of a three-legged tripod, scripture, tradition, and the magisterium. And if you take one of those legs away, kind of the whole thing uh, falls apart. Um, So yeah, so I think, uh, again, we as Catholics, we definitely see the scriptures as divinely inspired. Uh, We treasure them. And I think in more recent decades, uh, we've also seen more Catholics, you know, joining Bible study groups and sure. just, I think, you know, trying to plumb the, the wealth of the scriptures more. Maybe maybe another point, we were talking about this before the, the program began, that along with the fact that we're not sola scriptura Christians, um, we also don't, we aren't fundamentalist Christians in the sense that we don't just sort of say, well, it's all self-evident, um, we just take the Bible literally I mean, you run into all kinds of problems if you try to do that. I mean, just beginning with the book of Genesis, you've got Mm -hmm. two different creation stories. So how do you deal with that? You know, so we recognize as Catholics that, you know, we need scholarship because within the the Bible isn't a book. It's a library of books, and they're written by many different people in different eras. Some of them are clearly not meant to be taken literally. They're true. But they're not—they're um, not scientific. They're not teaching like scientific truth or so a hard history to... of the moment. right, right, right. And and that's especially true of some of the early books of the Bible. But then, as you get into the later books, and especially into the Gospels, I mean, there there's a lot more actual history being yep. narrated. So yeah, the point being just that there's different genres of literature, and therefore they have to be interpreted in different ways. Our spiritual director, Father Rob Kroll, as we talk about Scripture on this, the Memorial of St. Jerome. And how have you found that, uh, that, that, that love of Scripture in your own life? What has sparked that love of Scripture? What's helped you to spend more time reading the Bible? Maybe the Bible seems a little daunting, and you'd like some advice on how to approach it, where to start. Certain things that seem a little confusing. That's why Father Rob is here, our studio line, 888-914-9149, Email address is innerlife at relevantradio.com, and we'll continue our conversation right after this on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 
1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director, Father Rob Kroll, a Jesuit priest, and the director of spiritual formation at St. Francis de Sales Seminary in Milwaukee. And today, talking about falling in love with the scriptures and by knowing the scriptures, knowing Christ better. And how have you gotten to know Christ better by reading through the Bible? How have you fallen more in love with Christ? How have you uh, grown in your faith by diving into the scriptures? Our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And Father Rob, you know, you made mention of that very famous quote, of St. Jerome, ignorance of scriptures is ignorance of Christ. And maybe we can discuss a little bit more on that front. Uh, You know, what comes to mind is if my wife, when we were dating, if she had sent me letters that gave me insights into her hopes, her dreams, uh, you know, gave me some uh, different humor, showed different parts of her personality that maybe I hadn't known in those first months that we were dating. But if I refused to read those letters, I'd be missing out on this huge dimension of getting to know her, getting to hear kind of this interior voice that she's sharing with me through writing those letters. And, you know, I'd have to think she would probably be really just disappointed, maybe saddened that I didn't take the time. I didn't see it worth putting in the effort to read what she had written to me. Uh, I would kind of look at that in, in the same way as, you know, God has given us so much in the scripture. And as we said, that's not the only thing he's given us. It's one of those three pillars that you pointed out right before the break. But it has so much that we can learn from, that we can take away. You know, we could spend our entire lives, and people do spend their entire lives looking at Scripture. And so to not give it the time, not put in that effort, I would have to make just kind of that assumption. It makes God a little sad that he's given us so much opportunity to get to know him, and we don't take him up on that. Yeah, that's a really good analogy, and it's interesting that uh, when I was teaching scripture to high school students at one time, um, I used that uh, analogy of a letter, of a love letter, you know, that really the Bible as a whole could be seen as one um, elaborate and prolonged love letter from our Heavenly Father to us, his children, you know. And I mentioned before the break that the uh, Bible should be approached as a library books and not just, you know, one book. And that's true. There's great diversity within the Bible. But at the same time, it's important to highlight that all of it uh, does fit together. It's really a a progressive revelation of who God is. And and as we said uh, already, it, it all points to ultimately to Jesus Christ as the center of the scriptures and, and of human history. So um, I like that analogy, uh, Josh, of the letter, you know, um, that, the, you know that, re- that is revealing to us something of God's nature and God's love. And so I think that that's really why we want to spend time, a lifetime, um, getting to know the scriptures, both, you know, there's an academic or study um, um, aspect to that, but then, you know, as, as you're saying, falling in love with the scriptures and praying with them because it's it's by 
kind of marinating ourselves, as it were, in the scriptures, um, that we um, we do fall more love, more deeply in love with God Himself, you know, who is our heavenly Father and who loves us, uh, you know, with a with an infinite love. So, so I think that that aspect of self-revelation is really important. I mean, we're talking about God who is you know, invisible and who is um, so different from us, you know, how, how, how does this God want to speak to us? How does he want to reveal something of who he is and, and what he wants of us? And, and that's where, again, the scriptures are not the only way, but, but they certainly are a primary way that God tells us yeah. about himself. And yeah, so that's, I think, you know, I, with early in the program, you had a really beautiful introduction to the program today, too, and you talked about this buried treasure. And another another sort of thought that come, comes to mind in all of this is how the Bible, while we, we talk about the canon of the Bible, so like the um, at a certain point we said, okay, these are the actual books that belong in the Bible, and the, and the canon is now closed. So even if we found, let's say next week, some archaeological archaeological dig discovered um, a whole complete book you know written by the prophet uh, you know Bob or something like that I don't know but we, we at this point we can't we can't insert that anymore into the scriptures because for 2,000 years these scriptures have been nourishing the church and they've been incorporated into her life and into her worship and all of that so so we're not free anymore to just sort of add something brand new like that but um, to go back to your buried treasure image, you know, we, we might think about the scriptures as a gold mine, and and the gold mine is the same mine, but every day miners can go back into that mine and retrieve new nuggets of gold. You know, right. they come from the same mine, but they're new nuggets, and so we could say that you know the, the Bible is it's got these set number of books now, but but there's all these nuggets of gold. And, and even myself, like if I sit down every week and I pray with the same scripture passage, you know, week after week, well, I'm going to find new nuggets of gold because it's a living word. It's not a dead letter. It's a living word. And, and I'm in a different place. I mean, I might pray, you know, with a passage today and six months from now, if I go back and pray with that same passage during my holy hour, um, I'm, I'm not the same person as it were. Some new things have happened to me. And so maybe a new part of that, Scripture passage is going to jump out at me and speak to me. So that's what's beautiful about it. We'll never exhaust, you know, its its richness. Yeah, and I think anybody who's gone back and read the Bible, you know, even even just portions of the Bible a few times, mm-hmm. they'll have experienced that in their own life where, where mm-hmm. they'll say, wait, I've read this before. Why didn't I catch that part? That really right. just stood out to me this time. Why didn't I catch that before? So I, I think anybody would find that to happen in their own life. Our studio line, 888-914-9149. What has helped you to uh, make that extra time, to f- spend that time reading the Bible, and has helped you to grow in your love of Scripture and thereby grow in your love for God, for Christ? And maybe you're finding it hard knowing where to start in reading the Bible, how to approach reading Scripture, and that's why Father Rob is here, 888-914-9149. And Father, we've got Maureen who's listening to us in Orange County, California. Hi, Maureen. Welcome to The Inner Life today. Oh, bless you. Thank you. You know, I was um, praying in adoration, and I said, Lord, you know I love you. And I was sitting there kind of thinking about, you know, Peter, or just contemplating. And I felt like God said, prove it. And, you know, and it, and it, I was looking at Scripture when I was sitting there. 
And I thought, you know, I never take the time to like read the scripture before mass or, or really contemplate scripture. And I knew this was a, a clear call. And so I thought, well, why don't I be a lector? And then I can just sit there and study it and pronounce it. And so, you know, uh, two weeks ago, I was, you know, um, lecturing. And in the, in the, the one thing they said is it speaks slowly so it can feed into their heart, into their mind, into their soul. The words, let, they're alive. Let them hear your words. And I, I, when they said that, I was just like so moved. So I stood there and I spoke these words and this thought that these words were said 2,000 years ago. And now we're listening to them. And I was speaking them so slowly. And mm-hmm. I felt this anointing just fall on the people. It was the most profound feeling of mm-hmm. doing God's work. And I never saw it like that. <laughs> and I, was, I felt so bad that why didn't I love the scriptures like some of my Protestant friends? And I just felt really guilty for not seeing it clear until now. So I, I just wanted to share it. And what an, what an honor, you know. Mm. Well, that's a beautiful story, and I can hear the kind of the joy and excitement in your voice as you talk about it. So, um, and you know, Maureen, one of the things you're highlighting as a lector is uh, we talk as Catholics that at every mass there's at, at least well, there's four primary ways that that Jesus Christ is present. Uh, he's present, you know, in in the Eucharist, of course, supremely in His body and blood, but He's also present in the priest uh, in persona. Christi Capitus, so kind of representing Christ the head. He's also present in the gathered assembly, in the people of God that are there um, uh, worshiping. <coughs> and he's present, <coughs> excuse me, in the scriptures that are proclaimed. And so when you or anybody gets up to perform that ministry of lector, I mean, we, we really believe that it is uh, Christ that is proclaiming that word through your lips. So I say that just to highlight the dignity and the importance of your ministry and anyone who is a lector. But that's not something to be taken lightly. And that it, it does require then that we, you know, pray with those scriptures, that we, we practice the readings ahead of time so that it really is done um, well. Uh, but anyway, yeah, thanks for, for sharing that. And uh, I hope other people listening might be inspired to pray more regularly with the scriptures, and we'll talk probably a little bit now about how to do that. Yeah, well, and that's one of the things I did want to highlight. You know, Maureen is talking about being there in adoration, and that's actually one of the things I've really enjoyed being able to do in my own time in adoration, Father, is being able to sit there in the presence of Jesus in the Eucharist and be able to read. And it doesn't matter Old Testament, New Testament, because you hear these words that are coming, and, you know, it, it gives you this opportunity. I think it's most profound when you do read through the Gospels, and you get the words of Jesus, especially maybe reading through the Sermon on the Mount, or the uh, uh, prayer that Jesus prays um, there before the crucifixion, there uh, towards the latter half of John's Gospel. Some of those are, are really amazing to sit there and read in the presence of Christ himself in the Eucharist. But just reading through portions of Scripture and being able to meditate on them in the presence of Christ, that right there is, I, I think it really helped me to take understanding, meditating upon Scripture to a new level. Yeah, no, I think you're right, Josh, and, and we do want to say that the Gospels kind of have pride of place you know, among the Scriptures that we might meditate on during adoration or any time. But, um, but yeah, I think you know, um, 
God's going to use, I mean, it's all inspired, and and so however we approach it, um, any any part of Scripture can, can really come alive for us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, it, it, as we talk about this, this praying with Scripture, it, it occurs to me that um, people might wonder, well, how, how do I even get started? You know, what, what do I do? And I, I think there's really two basic choices one can make in terms of what scriptures to pray with. Um, a lot of people will use the, as Maureen was indicating, use the mass readings for that day because all around the world at every Catholic mass, those same readings are being uh, proclaimed and heard. And especially if we're going to go to mass on a given day and hear the word proclaimed, it might be helpful before we go in the morning to uh, spend some time pondering the mass readings, um, maybe maybe one or the other reading will be more um, you know uh, attractive to us that day. But another way we can approach it is to take a book of the Bible and to kind of slowly day by day work our way through it in little little chunks, little nuggets. Um, and we could begin with, you know, let's say Mark's Gospel because it's the shortest of the Gospels, or any of the Gospels because they are kind of the um, the most important books of the Bible. But I'm, I'm thinking about how in Advent, for example, we hear a lot of those, uh, Isaiah proclaimed uh, at Mass. Mm-hmm. And so we could take a, a book like that and, you know, kind of slowly work our way through it. Um, so that's another approach. Um, and, you know, either one can be fine. Um, I like also how you're talking about slowly working your way through it. A lot of times, you know, if you're reading a novel or a biography, I mean, you're reading to absorb the information, to mm-hmm. go through the story. And so you kind of plow through it. But right. we're talking about a very, very different approach in reading when you're praying through the scriptures. I mean, it might be you only read through maybe one or two verses and yep. meditate upon them. So, And who cares? Who cares if it takes you three months to get through the book of Mark right. as you're praying right. through it? Exactly, exactly. And you could you could do that and then start all over again, and it would be just as, as rich. Right. So, um, and what's nice about, you know, most of our Bibles, I think all of our Bibles really, is, is now they're published in such a way that the different, um, you know, stories and miracles, they're all kind of broken up, and so they have little headings. So, I mean, they're already kind of formatted in chunk size, you know, little, little, little pieces. And so that makes it easier because you're right. You don't want to sit there and just kind of spend a half an hour or 45 minutes reading nonstop. That's not the point. Um, you take a little, a little section and I would suggest that we read it several times actually through. And then maybe the third or fourth time that we read it, there's where we stop and we pause, where we, where we feel that a particular uh, verse or phrase is really drawing our attention. And we might spend the whole rest of our prayer time just on that, and that's great. Um, or after maybe 10 or 15 minutes, you know, again, it depends how long we're giving it. I mean, I think for probably a lot of our listeners, they may be only talking about 15 minutes or something in the morning. Sure. So maybe we spend, a, you know, a few minutes with a particular phrase, and then we feel like, okay, I've, I've, you know, the Lord spoke to me through that, and I've kind of gotten out of that what I can, and then maybe we go on and read a little bit more. But but it's a very leisurely uh, approach. It's not speed reading. It's not like I have to get through any particular amount. And, and so just to relax and, um, yeah, 
So anyway, and we, and if we, I don't know if it would be helpful to maybe talk a little bit about the method that we call Lexio Divina. Just yeah, let, let's talk about that. Uh, we also have more phone calls we want to get okay, to here yeah, too, Father. So um, let me throw out the phone number again, 888-914-9149 is our studio line, 888-914-9149. And we're speaking with Father Rob Kroll about falling in love with the Scriptures, falling in love with Christ, because we know Him better by reading the Scriptures. And we'll take more of your phone calls and continue talking about falling in love with the Bible right after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com Forester. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Back to the Inner Life. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director, Father Rob Kroll, a Jesuit priest and the director of spiritual formation at St. Francis de Sales Seminary in Milwaukee. Today, it's the Memorial of St. Jerome, and we're talking about love of Scripture, how we can love Scripture more, and the more that we know the Scriptures, the more that we know our Bibles, the more we'll know Jesus, the more we'll be able to know, love, and serve Him, as it says in the Baltimore Catechism. And uh, how have you lived that out in your own life? How have you uh, fallen more in love with reading the Bible? Our studio line, 888-914-9149. And Father, we've got Tom who's listening to us in Grand Terrace, California. Hi, Tom. You're on the air with Father Rob. Hi, good morning, and thank you for taking my call. Good morning, Father Rob. Hello, Tom. Um, I'd like to say that uh, it took, I would say, the good Lord to kind of uh, allow me to sink at a moment in my life where it was a deep hardship that I had to reach out to do something different in my life to really uh, be able to hear his voice. And so I enrolled uh, in a program at uh, J.P. Catholic here, a scripture study program, and uh, that was my first time ever as a Catholic, really taking the time to seriously uh, study, read, and reflect on God's Word. And that was back in 2008, and to this day, I have continued in not only in my studies, but just trying to uh, be able to allow the Word of God to really change my heart and uh, allow me to to really be more attentive to His Spirit, and uh, that's something I think I learned a lot by reading God's Word. You really develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit, and you become more attentive to the prompting of the Spirit in your life. And boy, do I uh, definitely beg the Lord for that one. And uh, even at today's Mass, I'm listening to the readings, and I could see my Catholic faith coming alive from the book, you know, the, uh, the, in the book of uh, the readings that we had today, I believe it was from Nehemiah. Nehemiah. And so oh. just, yeah, so I just, I could see my Catholic faith already prefigured in the Old Testament. 
I could see a bigger picture. And that's, to me, why I just continue to read God's Word and reflect on it, because there's always something new, always something fresh. Uh, even when you think you've read a passage, somehow God just, he, he, he wakes you up. I don't know. That's what I wanted to share. Thanks for the testimony, Tom. Uh, it's beautiful. And I think, you know, that kind of concrete story of how it impacted your life is what, you know, listeners need to hear, too. And uh, I think about that phrase, ever ancient, ever new, you know, and that's kind of what you're saying. I mean, these are scriptures that uh, have been with us for millennia. And yet, you know, for Tom and for Rob and for Josh, you know, we each of us needs to encounter it for ourselves and, and let it come alive and and then transform us, right? That's what's happened in your life. I mean, it's not the only way again, but it's a it's a major way that you've uh, had your Catholic faith come alive, and it, particularly at a time when you were going through some hardship, you know, the scriptures became really a source of wisdom and comfort. So thanks for sharing that uh, personal experience. Yeah, and Father Rob, as Tom was sharing that too, one of the things that I think is really uh, key that he mentioned as well is he prays you know, asks for the Holy Spirit to open those scriptures to him. And that's, I mean, that's such a good practice to do, not to just sit down and say, okay, I'm going to start reading and then I'll pray. But Holy Spirit, can you open my mind and my heart to the things you want to say to me today as I read through this portion of your word? Yeah, no, that's really important because it's the Holy Spirit that originally inspired the scriptures, inspired the um, authors to put down uh, these words. And so we want that same Holy Spirit to be inspiring us as we read them and ponder them. So that's a really important point. Otherwise, it could it could devolve into more of just a scripture like study or an academic right. exercise. Yep, exactly. Well, so let's let's talk more about Lexio Divina. How how do we get started on that path? What are some good maybe resources that you could point people to or ways that we could understand how to incorporate that uh, reading and praying through Scripture in our prayer lives? Sure. Well, just that term, Lexio Divina, so we use that a lot, but it, it's a, a, a phrase that means divine reading or sacred reading. And um, so, you know, I subscribe to something called Magnificat. Uh, I used to subscribe to Living with Christ. So there are resources out there that will, like for the entire month, they'll put the uh, daily Mass readings within this booklet. And then along with giving you those scriptures, they'll often have someone's reflection upon them too. Um, and you don't want that to be, to be a substitute for your own prayer, but it, it can kind of get kind of prime the pump or get things moving if you're kind of stuck. So that that's one resource that people might consider using. Um, and then if we get stuck on a particular passage that seems very opaque to us, very obscure, uh, there are some good, you know, there's many good Bible commentaries too. And again, not that we all have to be scripture scholars, but it can be helpful to consult one or two commentaries uh, just as a way of uh, kind of plumbing the depths and getting getting some context for what we're reading. But then it's important, again, to go back to prayer with it. And traditionally, we talk about kind of four different steps of this Lexio process. So the Lexio step, the first step is just is just reading. Its prayer is attending, we might say, uh, attending to the Word of God, reading it through a few times, and just sort of letting it soak into our minds and hearts. And then kind of the next step we traditionally call is meditatio or meditation. This is prayer is pondering. So once I've had a verse or a phrase kind of leap out at me and draw my attention, then I, I kind of set the rest aside, and I just spend some time pondering that particular Word of God. You know, what, what is God saying to me through it? Um, 
And then maybe uh, another little stage or phase of this uh, prayerful process is what we call the um, oratio or the actual prayer, uh, where we're now we're responding to the Word of God. So we've kind of we've kind of meditated on it for a little while. Now maybe now that my heart and mind have been touched by it, well, what you know, what do I want to say to God out of it? Uh, maybe I want to thank Him or praise Him in some way. Maybe I want to ask for His help. Um, maybe I've resolved that there's like, okay, I, I have to like do something different in my life. So Lord, give me give me help, uh, inspire this change that I need to make. And then kind of the, the last part of the prayer could be just a very simple being present to God. Um, so we've had prayers attending, prayers pondering, prayers responding, and now just prayers being. So maybe at the end of, of my time with the scripture, I don't really need to do much discursive thinking anymore. I don't have to do a lot of talking. I just sit there and, and rest in the presence of God and just, just kind of enjoy that, um, you know, that, that intimacy with him. Because that's ultimately what I think it's about. If I can maybe give an analogy that, that might be helpful to folks. And sure, and can... we're down to about our last 60 seconds here. Oh, sexy. okay. Well, then you know what? I'll, let's just leave it at that. I think <laughs> All right, so again, those steps, attending or reading, meditating, yep. that pondering, then responding in prayer, and finally just enjoying that moment, just being at rest in, in, in there, having spent yep. that time with God. I, yeah, that's that's beautiful. Thank you for walking us through that. And sure, sure. As we are down to our last uh, minute here, Father, could I ask you to offer a blessing for all of our listeners today? Oh, sure, I'd be happy to. So, Heavenly Father, I ask you to send down your Holy Spirit upon all of our listeners uh, to inspire them to love you and to love your Word. And as they ponder the scriptures, uh, open their eyes, open their eyes to see your presence and, and to see how much you love them. And so may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon all of our listeners and remain with them forever. Amen. Amen. Father Rob Kroll, thank you so much for being here with us as our spiritual director for the hour. Coming up tomorrow on the program, it's just kind of, I, I mentioned it earlier this week, it's kind of like a Hall of Fame uh, week here for saints. We're going to be talking about St. Therese, the little flower, tomorrow, learning about her little way here on The Inner Life. I hope you can join us for that. And of course, stay tuned. We have Mass coming up next, followed by The Faith Explained with Kale Clark. Have a blessed afternoon.